All right. If I didn't meet you this morning, you're visiting this morning. I'm Brandy Hilton. Welcome. Um, very thankful for this day. You know, the scripture tells us to be thankful for every day. And that's not just a good thing to read in the Bible, but it's something he really wants us to do. And so the body of Christ should be the most thankful, grateful people on the planet. And that really will shift atmospheres around you um, when you just carry that gratefulness and thankfulness and gratitude, um, even uh, telling others thank you <laughs> when they do something, even if it's just their job to do and you thank them. Hallelujah. So we're a thankful people. We're thankful to the Lord for all he has done and that he's doing we love hosting his presence, and we know that Holy Spirit will minister to every heart every time we gather, whether we're gathering twos or threes or in cell groups or classes or conferences or Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, whatever we're doing, that he is in our midst, and he knows how to minister to every saint. He knows exactly what we need, and uh, Jesus said, you know, all you need to do is ask. He said, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open. So he made it very simple. So it's back on us. <laughs> what do you want? What do you need? And he is the fullness, isn't he? Um, I'm going to review just a little bit from January 15 when I spoke, when I gave the word to turn. I'm not going to read all the scriptures that came with that word, but I'm going to just review it again for you to hear, to get in your spirit before I jump into today. And we want to be good stewards of what gifts, what God gives to us. Uh, that means we're good stewards of prophetic words. These words, uh, dreams, visions, interpretations, tongues, understandings, we are being good stewards of his gifts, of his callings. We're being good stewards of our own places in the kingdom of this house and our purpose here. We're being good stewards. And the scripture is very clear that Jesus will talk to us about that in heaven and say, what did you do with what I gave you? And we're each accountable to the Lord personally, and we're accountable to him corporately as a body. And so this is very important. And it's very glorious. And so when you hear me and others repeat things over and over, there's a reason for that. Because, you know, you, we get it when we hear it more than once. And, you know, we can get something one time, but we're really being a steward of the word and honoring that word. We honor Holy Spirit. We honor his movement. We yield to him to the best of our ability. We, he is the Lord, the scripture says. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. He has the, removed the veil from our hearts and so that we can see Jesus. And it's a daily work. What a job. He knows that we're but flesh, and he is always working for our good. And the Father reveals to the Son, Jesus, his heart. And Jesus reveals that to the great Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost comes, and he breathes on us, and he gives us those commandments. And he leads us when we read the Bible. He speaks to us through the Word. His Word is living. And the scriptures that we read are important. They're vital. This is truth. Thy Word is truth. There's enough opinion going around. Okay, we need God's word, which is truth. And it's the Holy Spirit that opens our understanding there. He'll always lead us into all truth. Amen. So, I want to review um, this word. It was very simple. You'll hear turn a few times. 
This was from January 15th, which is on our website under messages. He said, turn to me and look at me. When was the last time you just stopped and purposefully looked at me? Today is the day to turn. Turn aside from other voices and faces and events and traumas and dangers and turn and look at me. I am your beloved Lord. Look at me. Child, look at me. Look at me. Listen to my words and give attention to what I am saying. Turn now and gaze at and look into my glory. Look, I remove veils now from you so that you can see clearly again. I bring renewal. I bring change. I bring life and life more abundantly. But you must turn now and look deeply past the surface and allow your spirit to go beyond the veil to see into my heart and my eyes for you. He says, look up, your redemption draws nigh. He continues, do not turn to the left, do not turn to the right, but follow my voice, stay the course, and listen to my heart. Listen to the instructions that I give my chosen ones. Do not go your own way, but go with me in my way. There are many highways to travel on. There are many roads that lead this way or that way, but look up into my eyes and my heart to see and know the way in which you should go and walk. My way is not complicated, but it is narrow. Enter in by the narrow gate, for the wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there's many who go in by it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way that leads to life. And there are few who find it. Matthew seven thirteen and 14. He says, turn now, turn, look at me. Look at me. What am I doing? What am I doing? Turn and look and see what he's doing. Inquire of his heart. Don't listen to the voices that lead you astray or aside. Turn to me. Return, turn, turn, and look. Turn around, look up, turn away from the foolish things. Turn to me. Turn to me. Return. Turn your eyes towards Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. Look at me. Turn back, turn aside. Turn around, hear the voice of God, and feel Holy Spirit again. Return to the Lord with all of your hearts. Joel 2.13, he said, so rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. Amen. I... Uh, I use the example of how time, sometimes as parents we have to get a hold of our children and say, look at me, right? We've said that at least once. We've had that spoken to us at least once in life. And the Father of glory, we are his children. He's like, turn, look at me. You got to hear it from a father of love. You got to hear the father of glory. He's wanting to reveal himself to us. Because we go from glory to glory and faith to faith. So we're on the increase and we're always changing. And you can get irritated hearing something more than one time. I know flesh didn't like that. But the Spirit says turn. It's time to seek the Lord. Today he speaks, look no more. 
Let's go to Colossians chapter 1. I'm going to read a passage that will describe the apostolic. This passage will describe the mantle of the apostolic, the call, the purpose, the intent, the anointing therein. According to Scripture in Ephesians 4, you have apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And the whole purpose of that government of God is to equip these saints to do the work of the ministry. And that is the mantle of this house in which he called forth and sent to build a supernatural training center in order to do that. And that has grown and has proved itself to be true. And his word will never fail. And the heart in this, no matter how you're sent to fulfill this purpose and your, his word that he's sending you in, this is the heart behind it. Colossians chapter 1, verse 24 through 29. And you'll hear a phrase in here that I say over and over again. Because it comes from Jesus, our apostle. The scripture says that Jesus is the apostle. And he is the high priest of our faith. And as he is, so are we in this world. And he has given of all of his anointings, of the apostle, the prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, helps and administrations to empower his saints to carry on his work. He died for it. He paid the price. He went to the cross. He paid the debt that we could never pay. He redeemed us through his blood and through his body. He paid the price, right? And God raised him from the dead and he took him back to heaven where he sits now at the right hand of God and will come again. So it is under his authority that we speak and preach and teach and it's under his authority that the church has the dominion and only under Christ Jesus. He is the head of the body, amen? So now in verse 24, the apostle Paul, knowing this, says, now I rejoice in my sufferings for you, people of God that I've been sent to. <laughs> I rejoice now in my sufferings for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, for the sake of his body, which is the church of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end, I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Amen. 
You hear the Spirit. And one vessel of honor God chooses. And here the Apostle Paul is declaring to the city of Colossae, the church there, why he was sent and for what purpose. And this is the anointing because those who are called according to his purposes will suffer persecution. You will suffer tribulations. You will suffer with Christ. You will share in his sufferings to do and to accomplish his will on the earth. Because the devil is on the planet, wreaking havoc. We know that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But you're warring against unredeemed flesh. And flesh doesn't like truth. True? (laughs) You know when the alarm goes off at four in the morning, flesh says no. It's already squealing, right? But our flesh has to come into subjection to the Holy Spirit in all things. Our flesh is learning how to be molded into Christ's flesh. Bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. And he gave of his flesh to save us and then call us his bride. Bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. One. In God, in Christ. And then gave his Holy Spirit to come and be inside of us and live in us. That is amazing. The power of God. Great Holy Ghost who is God. Because Jesus ascended, the Spirit could come. And he says that. If you read John 14 through 17, he points to it over and over again. I have to go. But the Spirit of truth will come. And he will never leave you. He will not abandon you. He'll not leave you as orphans. He will remain with you forever. He is my seal. This is my signet ring. You belong to me. And he will fill you and he will lead you into all truth. And he will power, he's powerful. He'll give you power. Every anointing that I carry, you will have through the Holy Ghost. And he will distribute those gifts at his will so that we can do that work. That is power, right? And he dwells and lives in us. So when you say Christ, Christ means the anointed one and his anointing, the Messiah. The anointed one and his anointing, the one, the power, the anointing of God to do what God sent him to do. The promised one. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. He wants to reveal from all generations the riches of the glory. That's why you hear that all the time. Turn and look into my face And see and receive of my glory. When you open the word and you read it, the glory goes in. When you hear it, it goes in. And when you speak it, it goes out to those around you. Amen? Luke chapter 17. He's very passionate for us. God is not dead and he's not boring. He's not a deadbeat. He's very much alive, and he is alive in us, and that is good news. Beloved, we have the good news. The world doesn't want a dead gospel, right? They don't want people who are like, oh, God, I have to do this today, right? They're going to know you, so let your light so shine before men, he said. 
Let your good works be seen so that my father can be glorified in heaven. Luke 17, verse 20. He had just healed, I believe. Well, that's a lot of lepers. That's amazing. Luke 17, verse 20. He goes on to say, now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and he said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there, he says, but for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. What signs, what wonders, what showings, we want the kingdom to come. What's it going to look like? He says, well... The kingdom of God is within you. And he was speaking that before he went to the cross, before the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. He's speaking truth and he's speaking those things that are yet to come. It's a mystery, Paul said, but it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Where's the kingdom? In me. (laughs) If you've been born again, you must be born again. And once you're born again, the Spirit of God comes in. He says, the kingdom of God is within you. Even if you just got saved last yesterday, the Holy Ghost is in you. You've been born again from above, and the kingdom of God is in you. And his kingdom is always going to increase. That's why we grow up into him. We grow up into the fullness. None of us are walking where we did when we first got saved. We have grown. Hallelujah. Amen? And we're going to keep growing. (laughs) The Lord says, look no more. You have everything you need according to life and godliness. Go to 2 Peter. Where are the latest outpourings? Where are the latest revivals? Where is the latest fire burning? Oh, it's here, so we're going to go there. It's here, so we're going to come over here. It's at Albertsons. Does that even exist anymore? It's over there. Right? God bless Market Street. But it looks like that, and he's like, the kingdom of God is within you. And I'm going to step into my garden, which you are in. I'm in you, and you're in me. And we're in God. And we are one. And we are going to commune. And we're going to abide and remain. We're going to bear much fruit for the Father. That's the kingdom. And when two or three of you get together, he said, I'm right there in your midst. He says, and when my body has said yes to my will and my kingdom and my ways and the Holy Ghost, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, you're going to have a revival. (laughs) You're going to have a place where God can dwell. You're going to have renewal. You're going to have reformation. You're going to have a change. You hear it? 2 Peter 1, I said, verse 1 through 3. 2 Peter 1, 1 through 3. Simon Peter, a bondservant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to whom those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. 
as his divine power has given to us all the things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his glory and virtue, by which um, have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of a divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Hallelujah. Like precious faith, righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He has given his divine power. That's who I'm giving honor to. That is the Holy Spirit's work in us so that in all things we have everything we need pertaining to life and godliness. You know what that word everything means? Y'all can look it up. All, everything. Everything we need to this life and godliness dwells within us already by the Holy Spirit and whom we honor and allow to move and minister. Everything. You can continue in that chapter. It's absolutely glorious. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Second Corinthians three. We'll look at verse five. Now we're going to start on verse four. Good. Second Corinthians three, verse four. And we have such trust through Christ towards God, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves. But our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but it's the spirit that gives life. You hear this? And that's what Jesus died for, because he, no man could fulfill the law perfectly. He did. And he did it for us. And when we believe upon him, and we... We are born again from above. We receive his righteousness because there's no way we could come before God of our own accord. But because of who he is and what he's done, he fulfilled every jot and tittle. He fulfilled it all perfectly for us and then gave us of the spirit who brings the liberty and who brings alive. That empowers us. Because then you can look at yourself. It says, this sufficiency doesn't come from ourself. This sufficiency comes from God. The sufficiency comes from God. We're not sufficient in ourselves. So he says, quit looking for more. Quit looking around. I am here. All sufficiency is in you. You have everything you need. But it is a story of life. It is a revelation, the knowledge, the daily growth that reveals from glory to glory that glorious gospel, the glorious power, the life of God in us. That's the journey. Go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. 2 Corinthians 9, 
verse 6. He says, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or out of necessity, but God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he is dispersed abroad, he is given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. All sufficiency is in him. So he teaches us how to give. He teaches us how to sow our seed into fertile soil. He teaches us how to give out of what we've received, freely received, freely give. What a man sows, that shall he reap. It's a principle. And out of this, he talks about the sufficiency that's in us already and how grace abounds and works with that abundance. There's no lack in the house of the righteous. It won't ever stop. I'm sorry, it won't ever stop. There is no lack in the house of the righteous. You are a house of righteousness. You're clothed in his righteousness. We have the scepter of righteousness. Scripture says the scepter of righteousness rules the land. God's kingdom will not decrease. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You understand. These are the keys of the kingdom. And it's not according to yourself. It is Christ's sufficiency. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And that gets your mind off of yourself and your inadequacy, your inferiority, your lack. I don't talk well. I don't do this well. Right? Grant preached last weekend. It's like there are no reasons. It's a choice. It's a choice. He said, seek my face. There is so much time wasted on other things that keep you back from me. Okay, so in the face of Christ, what do we see? Eyes of fire. We see the lover of our soul. You see eternal life. Read Revelation for fun. I mean, it's loaded, right? Chapters one through three are going to knock your feet off. Knock you off your feet. The one who has burning eyes of fire. I didn't make that up. It's in your Bible. The one who is clothed in glory. He is the glorified Christ. He's manifesting himself to the churches. It's still church age, beloved. Church is still here. He's still ministering. He's still moving amongst us and examining our candlesticks. <laughs> examining the work. Examining us individually. Examine yourself to see if you be in the faith. That's what he does. And he gives to us more. And he, he heals us. And he delivers us. And he encourages us. He's a good husband. <laughs> he honors and respects. He cherishes us. I'm quoting you scripture left and right. This is what the Lord Jesus does for us, and we are his beloved. In the face of Christ, there's always truth. When you look around, that's why saying, look at me. Because you see a lot of opinions and a lot of wars and a lot of battles. It's like, don't look there. Look at me. Look at me. And when you look at his word, you see him. Right? Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is not a man that he should lie. We take him at his word, and that's our job. That's our part. Look into the face of Christ. Do you see hope? I mean, he walked in the anointing of joy 
and gladness more than his companions, the scripture says. He's a dancer, just saying. He is Lord of the dance. He's joy-filled. He drips in joy and goodness. He's happy. He bore our grief. He wept over us in the garden. He cried for us. He made intercession for us. But he weeps no more. He weeps no more. He weeps no more. He intercedes. The scripture says he ever leads to make intercession for us. Thank you, God. A true husband. Covering the house of God. And the great Holy Ghost takes it. That's why you read Romans 8. You said that 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 law, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has overtaken, overcome the law of sin and death. And how he's speaking and coming with the spirit of adoption. He's making us sons of God. He's working together for those who love him, all things for good. There's a length and a width and a breadth and a height there. There's a, a, a dominion there. There's heirs. There's inheritance there. It's life. He's not sad. He's not sad. He's joy-filled. But he always brings the word. He sings the word over us. You're like, well, how do you know that? Read your Bible. He ministers the word over us. He is the word. He just speaks over you. And when you look in his face, you feel something. You hear something. You saw something. And when he looks at you a little deep, you kind of blush a little bit. And you kind of whoop, turn your head a little bit. And you get a little quivery. And you fall down because something came into your soul that he saw in you. You hear it? Sometimes you can't hold all of that glory. You can't hold it all. Down you go. You lay low and prostrate. And you worship God. You hear it? That's the truth. He says, so look into the face and you will see courage. You will see courage in his face because you need courage. We need courage. You say, okay, I need more courage. Then ask for it. Ask for it. Joshua 1, remember? Be bold and have good courage. Abide in my word. Look at it, morning, day, and night. Do what I tell you to do. Go, be strong, be courageous, be of good courage, right? Here we go. But it's in the face of Christ. Go to 2 Corinthians 4, 6. We're close to that. Verse 3. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3. He says, but even if our gospel is still veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. Those who are not born again yet, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. That's Satan's job, is to keep the lost blinded. Right? And lost. (laughs) Okay? Whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. He says, because we don't preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord. And, and we are bondservants for Jesus' sake, are we not? He says, look no more. I am here. Trust me. Look to me. Look no more elsewhere or to yourself. I am here. I am the Holy One in your midst. 
Revelation 22, 16 said, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and the morning star. Let's go to Isaiah 12. He said, I am the holy one in your midst. Oh, <laughs> that's you personally and us. Yes? Yes? <laughs> it was good it was a joyful thing when he said let's go into the house of the Lord right okay Isaiah 12 the subtitle here on my Bible says Thanksgiving in the Messiah's kingdom <laughs> he says and in that day you will say oh Lord I will praise you Though you were angry with me, your anger is turned away and you comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For Yah, the Lord, is my strength and song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And in that day, you will say, praise the Lord. Call upon his name. Declare his deeds among the peoples. Make mention that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done excellent things that is known in all of the earth. Cry out and shout, O inhabitants of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in your midst. Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. From verse 3, I want to read this commentary to you. This verse was quoted in the time of the second temple during the water libation service during the Feast of Tabernacles. When the high priest carried water in a golden vessel from the Pool of Siloam to the brass altar, pouring the water on the altar, he would say, with we draw water from the wells of salvation. This pouring of the water was a picture and a prediction of the promised outpouring of Holy Spirit that we read from the prophet Joel, chapter 2, 28 through 29, and fulfilled in Acts 2. And in this setting, on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, as the high priest was pouring water at the base of the brass altar, Christ cried out. Go to John chapter 7, verse 37. I love it. <laughs> and you thought he was just rattling off saying, you had no idea everything God does is perfect and has eternal results. Every breath he breathes, everything he does is right on time. Isn't that amazing? John 7 Verse 37, it says, on the last day, the great day of the feast, which was tabernacles, Jesus stood and cried out, and he said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. He had not yet gone to the cross. 
He had to go to the cross with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost, the Holy One is in your midst, could come and be inside of you. Christ was referring to Holy Ghost, which foreshadowed in action of the priest pouring the water on the altar. Isn't this amazing? In Hosea 11.9, he says, For I am God and not man, the Holy One in your midst. Turn. Look at me. Look not to man. Look to me. Look at me. Look with me. I surround you. I sing my song over you. I surround you with my shield of favor and goodness. I surround you with my song. I sing. I sing over you. Awake, Deborah. Call upon the name of the Lord. Awake, you sleepers. Awake. The Lord is near. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do not look to the left or right, but go straight ahead. My peace I give you, not as the world gives, but peace, shalom. Be of good cheer. I have overcome, and I've been here all along, and my soul has found the one my soul loves. We'll conclude with this blessing. Go to 2 Peter. And that song was sung all morning long. For those who have an ear to hear, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Second Peter 3. So much power. Might as well start on verse 11. Second Peter 3.11. He says, Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be? <laughs> In holy conduct and godliness. Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. Because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire. And the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for the new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness dwells. 14. So, therefore, beloved... Looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot and blameless. And consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do not, as they do also the rest of the scriptures. But you, therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware, lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Whoa, Jesus. So let's stand. And let's receive his exhortation and his song over us today. And tonight we do have our regional just to sound. It's 6.30 of worship and prayer. You're welcome to come. Father, we receive your word, and we know, Lord, in whom we believe, 
and we honor you with all that we have, we will look to you and we will turn and we will gaze into the face of Christ. And we know that it is Christ in us, the hope of glory. We honor you, Holy One, in our midst. We honor you. We love you. The kingdom of heaven is in us. We thank you for today. While it's called today, we thank you. Anoint us with fresh oil, I pray. Encourage us as we leave from this house, as we go throughout the week, as we put our feet into the places and the land and the dirt that you've called us to be in. Let us go in the anointing and the power of the lover of our soul. Go in the love of God and the faithfulness of Jesus. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you need prayer, we're up here to pray. If you've got a word for someone, go give it to them, and we'll see some of you tonight. This message was brought to you by the Garden Gathering Church, a family of spirit-filled believers in San Angelo, Texas. We long to encounter God's presence and equip the saints for the work of the ministry. If you'd like to find out more, go to www.thegardenstc.org to realize how the revelation of Jesus Christ can fulfill your mandate in the kingdom of heaven.